Stay Doomed is part of the IWEP Podcast Network. Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Holohan, and we have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which you'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or, like, only one episode. With me, as always, is like... Making my way downtown, walking fast, <laughs> doodling fast, and I'm homebound. Like, oh my god, it's TV's no Oh. Welcome to Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Also, I really hope this was not the first episode... A lot of you listen to. I promise the intro doesn't usually sound like that. <laughs> it's why I started normal and built. I was wondering. Uh, well, when I made the joke when we were watching it, and I went, "Good evening, grave robbers." You looked at me and said verbatim, "No, no, don't do that. No, because you were afraid people would turn it off." <laughs> <laughs> so we are doing the 2003 Legally Blonde unsold pilot, uh, starring Jennifer Hall as Elle Woods. Yes. Do you know what channel this was going to be for, or was it just since it was unsold? It was unsold. I so can't find... They shopped it around and nobody wanted it. I wonder why. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, this didn't really even see the light of wet, light of day until 2017. Okay. When a rip was put onto YouTube. Wow. And uh, Jennifer Hall has not done a lot of stuff. Hmm. Like, she hasn't been in a lot of shows. She's been guest stars and Pretty much every procedural you could possibly want. Gotcha. And she was in this show Up All Night as Missy. That's like her biggest thing she was in. I'll reach out. Get her to explain her actions. Okay. (laughs) Jennifer, throw the director under the bus as hard as you can. Before we get any further into this, though, let's pour one out. What do you have there, Laura? I have a watermelon peach Slurpee. Mm-hmm. The Elle Woods, it is pink, but it is the TV show Elle Woods, so it lacks the strength and punch of the original, so there is no liquor in it. Oh, that makes sense. I have the Mock Trial Mocktail. It is a pina colada Slurpee that I put a little bit of blue raspberry in to show the idea of a boy mixing in to all these other flavors. Ooh. Ooh. And if you guys are disappointed we're not drinking, it is so hot. It is so hot, guys. We're just... This is so we have to survive recording this because we have to turn the air conditioner off to do this. And I think if we drank, we'd be asleep. We'd be asleep. We would just melt into a puddle here at the table. So that's why we're doing Slurpees today. So let's jump into Legally Blonde. It starts off with a voiceover about, like, yes. this is, you know, to get by, all you need is a good dermatologist, good clothes, and a monthly flea dip. Because yes. she has Bruiser. Bruiser? The Chihuahua? Next note. Is Bruiser not even a Chihuahua in this? It's clearly a very small breed dog, maybe a Chihuahua mix. Right. But Bruiser is a classic-looking Chihuahua in yes. the films. And he's not that in the TV series. Like, there's a point where Bruiser, uh, while Elle is studying, is watching the Yokiro Taco Bell dog in the mm, film. Yeah. 
And in this voiceover, we realize that they've already made a critical mistake in this in this TV series. Yeah. I don't know if it's directing. I don't know if it was an acting choice. But my normal speaking voice sits about here. Mm-hmm. And everyone has their customer service voice. Yeah. We all do. And my customer service voice sits up here. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, you know, can I help you? Elle Woods' voice sits all the way up here. Yeah. And she doesn't have any of that underlying sharpness Reese Witherspoon's L had. Yeah. She genuinely sounds dumb. Yeah. And nothing she says makes her sound intelligent. Yeah. The the point of the film is that she does sound dumb in the film, but it's to make you underestimate her because she's actually brilliant. In this, there's there's yet to be a moment of brilliance. So it's just like, oh, this is just a dumb girl. And Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon, who played Elle Woods in the films, pulls off the magic trick perfectly. There is a self-awareness to Reese Witherspoon's Elle Woods that we never see in this. Yeah. She knows how she is perceived, and she knows how to go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a speech she gives in a very, very, very early scene. I don't know if it, I don't recall if it's the opening scene. In the... In the film. In the film. And... She, a shopkeeper marks her as being stupid and tries to sell her a dress at full price. And Elle goes, Did you see this one? We just got it in yesterday. Oh, is this low viscosity rayon? Uh, yes, of course. With a half loop top stitching on the hem? Absolutely. It's one of a kind. It's impossible to use a half loop top stitching on low viscosity rayon. It would snag the fabric. And you didn't just get it in. I saw it in the June Vogue a year ago. So if you're trying to sell it to me for full price, you picked the wrong girl. Yeah. So we establish that Elle Woods is very, very intelligent. It's just a matter of what she chooses to apply that to. Yes. We see her apply it to fashion from the word go. Right. So we know this girl is really, really intelligent. Mm -hmm. And so that it's pretty plausible when she chooses to apply it to law school. That she succeeds. Right. We never get a moment like that with this. No. Uh, It still uses the song Perfect Day. It's a perfect day. Nothing Nothing standing in my way. way. It's a bop. Uh, But it's very much like, look at all these things that are reminiscent of the movie you like. These are the things we're trying to stand upon. And then we see her in law school. And they do this very stylized thing in the film. Everyone is dressed in, like, somber business cash. Mm -hmm. In the TV show, everyone's in black. Yes. It's like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah. (laughs) No color exists in Harvard except in Elle Woods. So, because of that, I know it's designed to make Elle pop more. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of lazy. Uh... Because in the film, they dress a lot of the background characters in blues Mm -hmm. to make the pink pop. But to keep it from looking super weird. It's jarring that everyone's in all black. Yeah. Uh, Are you familiar? You've seen the film Beauty and the Beast, right? I'm aware of the film Beauty and the Beast, yes. In the village that Belle comes from, they're not all dressed the same. Right. But no one else wears blue. Right. So that Belle does stick out. Mm -hmm. Because she's the only character wearing blue. 
And that kind of repeats when you see the beast who also is often dressed in blue. Okay. So that's a good use of that color palette idea. Mm -hmm. They, this, they're all dressed in black except for L who is in neon bright pink. Yeah. And it's effective, but it is obvious Mm -hmm. where what you're saying about Belle is subtle. Exactly. Uh, And I remember thinking like, I couldn't imagine looking at this every week. Mm-hmm. Just every week seeing everyone in black but her. That would get so old. So we see this and they're talking about free speech. They're talking about a case in which a professor quotes Seinfeld in the office and they try to fire him over because he said something, I guess, somewhat offensive. The plaintiff, Benjamin Jordan, claimed that his right to free speech had been violated when he was fired for quoting dialogue from the television program Seinfeld. Professor Abbott, the law professor, who is a severe female professor, uh, talks about whether if administration came in and I was quoting Midsummer Night's Dream, would that be grounds to fire me? And somebody goes, no. And then Elle Woods kind of does a, um, actually. Yeah. I went to see a Midsummer Night's Dream at the New Rep. Now, if I quote Puck right now, does the dean of Harvard Law have the right to dismiss me? No, he does not. Actually, yes, he does. Would you be rid of me so soon, Miss Woods? We were just getting acquainted. Um, No, but Professor Abbott, wouldn't it depend if the Shakespeare passage you quoted was sexually explicit? If it was, it might offend a student, thereby creating an overtly hostile environment, not conducive to the study of law. And Professor Abbott, like, goes after her. Well, she quotes Puck. Yes. She actually responds with a line from Midsummer Night's Dream, which I was like, okay, they have some ideas here. Literally. Like, literally. uh, In, like, a literal sense. That they're going to, like, do some nice, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm an English teacher. I should know this. Um, Illusion. Illusions. They're going to do some nice illusions and there'll be some nice parallels to Shakespeare here. I'm going to lose that hope very soon. So basically this is setting up the the two opposing views that are going to come up later. And at this point, Keaton, the the Vivian character from the movie, basically, the the Vivian stand-in, turns to her and says... I think you and Toto should click your heels and hurry back to La La Land before the wizard gives away that brain he promised you. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that metaphor is all over the place. Yeah. Is she Dorothy or the Scarecrow in this metaphor? <laughs> I was like, where, where is any of this? And then later on, uh, <laughs> Keaton hits her with the ultimate insult of buh-bye. Yeah. But it's interrupted by making my way downtown, walking fast. Bye-bye. Well, and then one thing that needs to be set up before that uh, is that they're going to do a mock trial in a couple days. Right. And Elle and a classmate named Mason are going to be the defendants and Oscar and Keenan. Oscar and Keenan. This is what I thought their names were. Mm. Uh, Oscar and Keaton. Yes. Are going to be the uh, plaintiffs. And I think Oscar and Keaton are supposed to be the Warner and Vivian characters. Yes. But we don't get any impression that Oscar and Elle have a past. 
We don't really get that the way we did with Warner. Right. Then A Thousand Miles Place. Yes. Uh, I also wanted to say that the teacher refers to them as being the canaries in the coal mine? This Thursday, we'll see our first mock trial. Please convey your deepest sympathies to the following four students. They are the canaries in our coal mine. A thing that doesn't make any sense. Well, canary in a coal mine is how they used to test coal mines by putting a canary in there. Right. And And if the canary died, it was unsafe to be in there. Yeah. That is not the correct metaphor. Exactly. That's why it doesn't make any sense. Guinea pig would make sense where it's like, you guys are the first mock trial. We don't have all the kinks, uh, you know, laid out. So the people who go after you might have a better time than you because you have to go first. Canary in the coal mine is implying, we're going to do a mock trial. You might die and then we might not do any more mock trials. No one understands their metaphors. Yeah, like, I would say you were the sacrificial lambs. Sacrificial lamb would have been a better metaphor. Because, in my opinion, they're all gonna have to do it. It's just these are the four students who, has to do, who have to do it first. Right. So, oh, the show's bad. So, uh, Elle Woods wants the apartment across the street from this coffee shop. Right. So she goes into the coffee shop, and there's... Uh, an older fellow who clearly runs the coffee shop, who's clearly going to be, like, her mentor. Yeah. He's going to be a, a Mr. Feeney-esque character. And the young man who works there who's in an eye patch. Yes. Because he likes astronomy and he's training his eye to be more sensitive to darkness. So that yeah. he can... So he can use his telescope. He's doing, like, eye push-ups by wearing an eye patch. And uh, the older guy is listening to something on his headphones. And... Elle says, like, oh, what are you listening to? And he goes, oh, I'm no angel. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I love Dido. Yeah, there's a long talk about Dido. And then it turns out that's like, that is what he's listening to. And they talk about it. And then the young man prefers jazz. I was like, okay, we're setting him up as the, like, squarish guy that Elle is going to end up with. Lovable weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, I like jazz and astronomy and eye patches. Whack job! <laughs> Yeah, like, he's supposed to be really square and nerdy, mm-hmm. and he's going to be the guy who ends up being the right guy for Elle. I'm sure if this show had gone on, we would have met, like, some meathead jock types that she dates, because Casey's here the whole time for her. Yeah. Because that's how these shows function. Mm-hmm. Next note, this is utterly cringe. Yes. So, Elle can barely even get in to see the apartment, because the female landlady doesn't want Elle in the apartment, initially. Yeah, there's not really a good reason why she's having trouble contacting her. She's blonde and wears pink, Noah. You don't want blondes who wear pink in your apartment. The landlord is a blonde. Yeah, that's a reveal at the end. (laughs) That's a reveal at the end that she was blonde before she went gray. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't understand, like... There what is, the conflict is So here. there is the shell of an interesting conflict at this point. Yeah. The male characters are nicer to Elle than the female characters. Right. And not even necessarily because they're attracted to her, but because women are threatened by Elle's beauty. Mm-hmm. But because we have not seen another female character treat Elle well, mm-hmm. it just comes off as smart women are jerks to pretty women. Yeah. 
Like, they treat Elle like a pick-me. And they're just, like, it's really unfortunate implications all around. So, we get this terrible camera shot circling the apartment because Casey, the young man from the coffee shop, gets them a showing. Yes. Because he claims to be interested in the apartment and the landlady's like, come right here, non-young blonde woman. It is literally the shot from Cribs where they show everything in that like quick jerky motion. It's um, it's just like, oh, it's MTV's Cribs. Uh, we then get to see, it kind of looks like a real world confessional, but it is L versus Keaton in like, what their interview for the apartment is. It looks like a POV TikTok. Mrs. Tellison, it is so refreshing to meet someone that's dedicated to maintaining the integrity of Boston's federal architecture. Brava, really. Four years at Gamma Gamma Newhouse, which is kind of like living on your own, except with 23 other totally supportive sorority sisters. Yeah, yeah. And... Of course, Elle Woods is saying things about how she's good at partying and she knows a lot of guys and... She's on first name basis with Tom Hanks. She's on, she calls him Tom. She calls him Tom. And someone else went swimming in her pool. I forget who she says. Marky Mark. Marky Mark. No, Mark Wahlberg. You know Marky Mark, which he would hate that. And one of the like lines that Keaton says... I have wanted to be a lawyer for as long as I can remember. When other kids would play doctor, I'd sue them for malpractice. Which is a, honestly a cute line. It, it took me back because playing doctor usually is like a euphemism for, like, fooling around when you're young. I mean, no. It is. But, like, the Fisher-Price doctor kid. Yes, that's true. Like, a lot of kids genuinely did... Play doctor, Play doctor in not a weird euphemism way. And I think that's how we're meant to take this. Okay. You could even actually say that that's Keaton is somewhat sheltered and doesn't understand the other version of play doctor. Right. I actually liked the line where she said, uh, I sued them for malpractice because it reminded me of like Angelica from the Rugrats of like, that's the kind of kid who would know that. Mm. So... Uh, this character, Keaton, is much ruder, and she points out that she's a legacy. That oh, there's yes. always been a Westcott at Harvard Law. Yes, but, but she's, she's the, the first, first woman. woman. Yes. And my thought is, if I'm a landlady, you can make rules like you can't have parties in this house. Yeah. But I might go for the girl who, like, clearly has money? Yeah, you'd think. Or... She also goes through all of these hoops to, like, try not to give Elle the apartment at first. You could just say no pets. Yeah, it's very easy. Very easy to not give someone an apartment. (laughs) So the case they're working on is about a six-foot male teenager getting kicked off the girls' field hockey team. Yes. And the precedent has always favored the athlete. Yes. And... Al and Mason are against letting this guy be on the girls' field hockey team. Uh, this is not a trans rights issue. This is a male yeah. identifying as male. Mm-hmm. Um, Who just wants to play field hockey because there is no male equivalent of field hockey. Yeah. 
It's a cis man who is identifying as cis mm-hmm. man, um, wanting to play on a team that is otherwise all women. I super wanted to play field hockey, because I'm not sure if you know this, I love hockey. I actually do really like hockey. Not pl- like watching, but like, I used to love playing hockey, but I couldn't skate. Yeah. So I loved playing like street hockey. And I was like, man, I really wish that there was a hockey team I could join right off the skate. And everyone was like, well, we'll play field hockey. And I was like, okay. And then, oh, it's so like for women. So Oscar, who is the Warner character, makes a pass at Elle and offers to get naked to distract her when they're all in the library. Yes. And Mason has the single best line in the show. In the show. I didn't want to stop, you know. I wanted to get naked right here for you. But our love is private. I don't want to share you with the world. Like, legitimately laughed out loud, gained respect for the show, like, had hope for this show after that line. Because it was clever. Yeah, and Elle says, like, oh, yeah, we were worried about this mock trial, and then we realized we were up against you two. Yes. And then uh, Keaton confronts Elle with a snarl. This is way too intense. Yeah. Like, the visceral coming out of this girl's mouth at Elle Woods is insane. Every time someone like you bends over to tie your pink saddle shoes, you lower the bar for every woman who ever hopes to be taken seriously as an attorney. Saddle shoes are so over. I suggest you withdraw your application for that apartment. You will not be here long enough to sign a lease. Because if you were legitimately in this situation, where you are playing the Keaton, you are the Keaton in this situation, and you look over and you see Elle Woods, who you believe is just some dumb blonde in a law school class for the first mock trial, instead of screaming at her, you would sit back and go, I've won! Yeah. I'm going to win the first mock trial. This will be good for me and my standing in this class. Like, <laughs> that would be like There's a... There's no reason for Keaton to go after her if she thinks she's truly this stupid. Yeah, like, it, could you imagine if a boxer was, like, given a title bout and then was like, do we have anyone bigger? Yeah. Like, I'd rather have a larger person to punch me instead of this person that I can win and win the title and then I'd have all the money. Don't want that. <laughs> this is dumb. So Keaton complains that Elle ruins things for other women. So we have this undercurrent of female misogyny mm-hmm. in this show, which they do very little to try to get around. I know it's a yeah. pilot, but you've pretty much presented at this point every female character as unnecessarily unkind to Elle. Right. We don't have the Paulette character. Uh, we don't have the, you know, because... Jennifer Coolidge plays Paulette. Mm-hmm. And Paulette is the hairstylist who is always friendly to Elle. Yes. And so they're like, she's kind of Elle's confidant through the film. Mm-hmm. We don't have that character. All of the characters who are that to Elle are male. Casey, Mason, who's the nerdy classmate who is funny. Mm-hmm. And then the old guy whose name we never learn. So, my next note. Oh, Casey and Mason are different people. Because the rip we watched was kind of poor. Oh, it was real bad. So, Eyepatch Guy and Nerdy Classmate are both, like, early 2000s scruffy, dark-haired, cute guys. Yeah. And I thought they were the same guy, briefly. Yes, they are not the same guy. So, we get to the day of the mock trial. 
Yes. Uh, it should be noted that L comes up with a scheme. Yes. But we don't know what it's going to be yet. So, Mason is missing. Mason's just missing. And they give up and they start the mock trial without him. And just then, Mason dramatically enters in a field hockey uniform. Yes. In the skirt. Because she mentions the field hockey uniform earlier in a throwaway line. Like, the little skirt and the tie and the socks. As long as he can wear the uniform, he can play. Right. And L's supposed to be anti-him playing. Yeah, I am totally baffled on which side everyone's supposed to be on until the very end of this. And then L is also wearing one. She's in... A tearaway suit? Yeah, she tears away her suit to show off a field hockey uniform. And my guess is they are... Since... Elle's actually arguing against letting a boy on the field hockey team. It is meant to show the different of proportional size this man is to Elle. Yes. I think that's what they're expressing. They do almost a choreographed dance... Yes. Like, ooh, ooh, looking hot. Ooh, like they're work like they're working the runway. And then we sit da- they sit down and Keaton attempts an opening statement, forgets if she's the plaintiff or the defense, which yes. I'm right there with you. Her own name wrong, Elle's name wrong, the professor's yes. name wrong. Yes, you're Keaton. Honor. I mean Keaton Winthrop for the woods. For the defense. I mean Keaton Westcott for the Plaintiff. Plaintiff. And, like, the way she's stumbling and flaclemped and, like, needing water made me think, oh, is she into, like, feminizing dudes? Like, the, the way she's staring at him and, like, the way she reacts, it's not an act of, like, I am shocked. It's, ooh, I didn't know this was going to go on. I hope this doesn't, doesn't awaken, awaken anything in me. Not the same thing. <laughs> Um, and then this, this is the part where I screamed. After this moment, we fade to black because they go to commercial. Yes. And then they come back and it's time for closing statements. So we skip the whole trial. I was like, why would we want to see the trial? <laughs> That's just the thing that we've been trying to get to this whole time. But we see Elle Woods do the closing argument and she talks about how you cannot falsely yell fire in theater. Mm. The limit of free speech means it does not cause harm. Yes. And she gives an impassioned speech. Yes. That sounds more than anything Reese Witherspoon says is Elle Woods. You know what this sounds like to me? It does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. We could totally party with the Hadians. Yeah, I was actually going to say it sounds a little Billy Madison. I mean, this really sounds like the Hadian speech from yeah. Willis, which I used to do as an audition monologue yeah. when I was a teenager who kind of looked like that. Uh, but she she does the this big impassioned speech that sounds like Cher's presentation more yeah. than anything Elle Wood says. And I, w- I want to point out the example she uses. She says, when she was on the cheerleading team, she was watching uh, these girls do a nine-girl pyramid when someone yelled dismount when they shouldn't have. So they didn't know what to do, so they all tumbled over each other. The same way you can't yell fire in a theater. Yes. So that's her, like, girly Elle Woods version of yelling fire in a season, in, in, a, in a theater. I would like you 
to try to tell me how to do a nine-person pyramid. Because that's not how triangles work. Okay, so it is a thing. No, I was so excited to be right about a thing without Googling it. Yeah, it is a it is a way to do a pyramid. Because you have to remember, uh, these require more people at the base. Because there's often a couple people... A, a girl is standing on. Okay. Like, two people's hands. So there might be six at the base and then three at the next. Because two people are oh. holding up... Because she mentions three people getting injured. Those would be the three flyers. Got Oh, okay. So it's not a pyramid the way you're thinking of. It's more of like a bring it on fly. Like there's people who hold people up. And then I don't know the name for people who hold people up. I only know the flyers. Probably base. Yeah, base and flyers. Because I remember being briefly interested in cheerleading and then realizing I was a little too stocky to be a flyer. Mm -hmm. And then being less interested because I didn't want to be a base. Yeah. I was like, well, I want to do the thing where I get to do all the flips and stuff. But since I was a little... I was also actually, believe it or not, a little tall. Yeah? Yeah. The the flyers are often the absolute tiniest people. Because it's usually other fairly petite women Mm -hmm. holding them up and tossing them around. Gotcha. So they have to be the absolute smallest people to be able to be thrown around and tossed around by other fairly small young women. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, they lose the trial. Yeah, so in a big twist, they're like, the the teacher's like, However, I am not persuaded that the potential harm to the girls who play field hockey outweighs the constitutional imperative of equal access. Therefore, I find for the appellant, Marcus Judd. Congratulations, Ms. Westcott and Mr. Bench. And that's when I was finally like, oh, okay. Elle Woods was not on that side. Yes. Because <laughs> I was confused the whole time because they don't make that clear. And uh, she just loses. And of course, because she lost, you gotta play sad music. No, I'm making my way downtown, walking fast, faces fast, than I'm homebound. I was like, really? And so Elle Woods is back in. Elwood is back in the coffee shop and finds out she got the apartment. Mm-hmm. So you get the idea of like, okay, Keaton won the battle but lost this battle. Yeah. So you're like, okay, there's kind of like an equality of like, Keaton did better in the school thing, but Elle won the apartment. Mm-hmm. So kind of keeping the balance. And the landlady says, openly says she pitied Elle. Because she was like, Keaton, you know, Keaton's family lives nearby. She has a support system. You don't have anybody. Yeah. You're alone. You look how lonely you are. Even though she's already made several friends. And she has a dog. And then the landlady goes, by the way, before I went gray, I used to be a blonde. And Elle goes, I knew you were. And I, I do love the fact that, like, Elle points out she is a natural blonde at some point in yes. here. Uh, Keaton calls her a bleach blonde. And Elle goes, I'm a natural blonde. With highlights. Which is the most realistic thing that happens in this show. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, natural blondes get incredibly offended when you accuse them of bleaching their hair. Yeah. Source. Natural blondes. <laughs> and I, I do hate when people are like, oh, you bleach your hair. I'm like, that, this is what I started with. No. I just put it out in the sun every now and then. This is darker. Yeah. 
I was platinum. Yeah. What would you would call bleach blonde? Yeah. What would you would call Ric Flair blonde? Yeah. When I was very little, still natural, but I was like white Daenerys Targaryen blonde as a mm-hmm. little kid, and it got darker when I hit middle school. And this is darker. Yeah. So then we see Elle go into the apartment building, and Keaton and her mom are outside having a confrontation outside of Keaton's mother's car, conveniently. And Keaton's mother dresses her down for dressing like a pilgrim and having those stupid buckles on her shoes. Yes, you look like a pilgrim. And Keaton wants to be more than a socialite. Yes. Because her mother tells her, like, the junior club hasn't gotten your application yet. Or the junior league. Mm -hmm. And Keaton wants to be more than a socialite. And her mother says, like, you're not good enough. You may as well put some effort in while you're still reasonably pretty. Right. Keaton threatens to move out and her mother says, I won't support you. And Keaton goes, why would you start now? Right. She mutters that last part after her mother's already in the car. Mm -hmm. So she mutters it so that her mother can't hear her. Elle can't hear it. Right. Elle, this whole time, is on the stoop of her apartment. Scooby-Dooing out. Well, she's hiding, like, behind the handrail, like the guardrail. Like, you know that part in, I think it's Jackass 3.5, where Danger Aaron's trying to attack uh, Bam, and he's hiding behind a chain-link fence? Mm Mm-hmm. This is worse than that. There is less blocking Elle than a chain-link fence. And she has the same expression of, like, the Kim Kardashian gif. Where she's, like, sticking her head out of the bushes. Yeah. That, like, big, stupid grin. And she kind of, like, runs back inside, waits for uh, her to pass, and then Elle runs back out and was like, Hey! Just wanted to say... Congratulations. Yeah, congrats, and I like your shoes. Yeah, she congratulates her on winning the mock trial, and then says, Oh, yeah, and cute shoes. And... Keaton says, like, we had precedent. You didn't make the worst argument I'd ever seen. Yeah. And Elle then says, like, if you ever need a place to crash, you know, let me know. Yeah. And Keaton goes, my family owns a huge brownstone a block away. Mm -hmm. Why would I need that? And I was like, okay. So then we go to Casey helping Elle move in. And they talk about, like, some pink piece of furniture that's on the curb of, like, Miss Muffet's Tuffet. Tuffet, yes. And uh, Elle goes, don't worry, Casey, I'll get it. And she opens the door and Keaton is standing there and says, like, this is only for two weeks with luggage. And Casey's like, that's a lot of luggage for two weeks. For two weeks, yeah. Because she claims they're remodeling the floor of the brownstone her bedroom's on. Yes. And she's like, and Elle kind of plays along. It's like, yeah, the fumes. So they're going to be roommates, and then Keaton is immediately, like, weird and argumentative, because Elle's like, oh, I'm getting this bedroom, and Keaton starts to argue with her, and I'm like, you don't live here, you're not on the lease. Yeah, she's like, well, you can't play your music past nine. We need to work out a bathroom schedule. And Elle goes, you can be in there whenever I'm not in there. Yes. And Keaton slams the door, and Elle goes, come on, that was funny. Showing that she was joking when she said that. Yeah. And then the show ends. The show ends on Elle and Keaton now live together, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Keaton hates Elle and has not warmed up to her in any way. Yeah. And immediately shows up with a lot of luggage, 
making demands for a place she does not live in. Yes. So they're clearly trying to set up like an odd couple thing. Mm-hmm. However, when you have that odd couple, you're supposed to make both sides of the couple at least a little bit likable. Mm-hmm. Often people will know, like, I'm an Oscar or I'm a Felix. Yeah. This, you're just kind of sitting there going like, well, Keaton is really unnecessarily mean to Elle. And yes. Keaton does not legally live in the apartment. Yeah, there, there are a so... A to crash is not you live here for two weeks. There are so many better ways to do this. Yes. Because the first thing I thought was, when we saw her mom, she should have looked exactly like Elle Woods. Yes. And then we could have justified the vitriol she spit in Elle Woods' face earlier, where it was like, you represent everything I don't want to be. Because my mom is pressuring me to be you, and now you're here in my safe space. Yeah. And, like, I want to be a lawyer, and the fact that you're here over my shoulder is just bringing up all this rage I have. That would have been a great way to do it. They absolutely failed to do it. You could have even had a scene, like, a throwaway scene somewhere. Perhaps one where Elle does something similar Mm -hmm. to the low viscosity rayon speech. Yeah. And Keaton's mom turns around and goes, you really know what you're talking about. See, Keaton? Yes, something like that. And making some kind of... You could have established how they meet as being, you know, Elle does this whole speech and Keaton says something of like, well, you know, I know things too. I go to Harvard Law. And then Elle going, so do I. Yeah. And then Elle could immediately... Like, it would set up why Keaton hates Elle perfectly. Mm-hmm. For Keaton's mother to be impressed with Elle. Yeah. And for Elle to be able to do both. Yes. And just, like, Elle could go into Keaton's world at any time, but Keaton cannot go into Elle's world. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the, the other easy way to do this is you make them dorm mates. Yes. I looked this up. Yeah. Harvard has on-campus graduate housing. For yeah. grad students. You could have just made them arbitrary roommates. Yeah, because then that last monologue, or that last, like, exchange about, like, the bathroom schedule would have made sense if, like, okay, we're being forced to live together. Yes. Instead, Elle is being so nice to Keaton for no reason. Like, Keaton never really extends the olive branch back. Because I really want to point this out. During that exchange outside on the stoop, uh, Elle congratulates Keaton on winning. Yes. Keaton kind of like grumbles, you did a good job too. Elle then says, I think your shoes are cute. Do you remember Keaton's response to that? She like scoffs. She says nothing and just starts to walk away. Yeah. It's just like, you just got a compliment. Like, I understand you don't like this person, but like, how hard is it to go, Thanks. That art, I just did it. So, like, the fact that they made Keaton so hard to soften her up at the end is an impossible task. And they don't even do the bare minimum to soften her up at the end. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a girl who antagonizes and bullies the hero. The hero makes a kind overture to her anyway. And the bully immediately takes advantage of it and starts making demands. Yeah. Why would we like her? 
We wouldn't. We don't. Because they kind of set up. Vivian starts to warm up to Elle in the film. And then the incident with Professor Callahan happens and Vivian turns on her. Right. And then Elle works to clear her name. Mm Mm-hmm. By having everyone who antagonizes Elle be female, but every man who interacts with Elle has nothing but pure intentions. Yeah. There's never a guy we see interact with Elle that is creepy. No, yeah. Well, except for, I want to get naked with you right now. Yeah, but he's clearly not doing it to, like, he's trying to throw her off. He's not really going to get naked Mm -hmm. in the, in the library. He's trying to annoy her. Mm. And he's the a villain. That's the other thing. Warner is the antagonist of the film. Right. Like, Vivian sucks mm. until she doesn't. But Vivian is redeemed. And Vivian and Elle become best friends. Yeah. Warner isn't. No, Warner's a loser in the movie. Yeah, and like, we do not establish the Oscar character in any way. Yeah. Overall, my feeling towards this is this is supposed to be based off of the movie. This isn't based off the movie. This is based off the trailer. Because there's one line that I always think of when it comes to Legally Blonde. By the way, I really like Legally Blonde the movie. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, there's a line, because I remember it from the trailer, which is... You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? Yeah. If all you've seen is the trailer, it makes the movie look like this is the story of a dumb blonde who somehow stumbled her way into Harvard. And then she's just going to try to, like, continue to blonde and bumble her way through and like not realize she's underwater and she'll kind of like the blonde version of Mr. Bean her way through the most difficult law school in the world. In the film, the line, what, like it's hard, is belittling him. Yeah. He's so proud he got into Harvard, and she did it, and she's now saying that it wasn't difficult. And she... It's a beautiful day. And the idea is that he devoted his life to getting into Harvard Law. She just decided to one day and did it. Yeah, like, she's twisting a knife right there. It is a moment of brilliance and viciousness, and none of that is present in the show. Yeah, that slight knife twist element of L. You know, when I dress up like a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. Yeah. We don't get that fire in this L. This L's a doormat. Yeah, there's no ambition in this L. It's not even ambition. There's none of that underlying sharpness and sourness to this L that offsets the very... L Woods, as Reese Witherspoon plays her, is a candy-coated wonderland until you give her a reason not to be. Mm -hmm. And that's when she turns on you. Yeah. She is never unkind to someone who doesn't deserve it. I love the scene that she hears two other girls belittling a guy, Mm -hmm. saying, like, why would we go out with you? 
and she turns on her heel and slaps him across the face and screams at him for Why didn't you call me? What? We spent a beautiful night together and then I never hear from you again? I... Sorry for what? For breaking my heart or for giving me the greatest pleasure I've ever known and then just taking it away? Uh... Both? Well, forget it. I've already spent too many hours crying over you. Like, kind of doesn't initially realize what she's doing. And then when she walks away, the girls are suddenly interested in him. Yes. Because he was able to bag L. Mm. So therefore, he is desirable. Yeah, basically, Legally Blonde, the TV show's L is a ditz. The movie L knows people think she's a ditz, and that's her greatest weapon, and she's well aware of it. Because I, when I saw the ads for Legally Blonde, I hated the ads. Mm -hmm. uh, because I was a 12-year-old blonde who was in, like, the gifted person. Like, I was a Vivian who looked like an owl. Mm -hmm. And I hated the idea of this movie because I was like, oh, good, another movie to make blondes look stupid. Yeah. Because you see her get wolf-whistled at and her go, objection, yes. in the trailer. And I was like, and then I saw it, like, a year after it came out on TV or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this movie's great. The movie's really good. And it was just marketed in a way that made Elle look kind of stupid. Yeah. But it's, it was... I really do like the movie a lot. Yeah. This was not the Legally Blonde TV show I had originally thought we were doing. Oh, did you think we were doing The Legally Search Blonde for Legally Blonde Search Elle for Elle Woods? Woods, which I would actually really like to do at some point. Oh, yeah, that's totally on the list. A musical theater reality show? Where yeah. do I sign? Yeah, why haven't we done that? We'll have to do that very, very soon. But for now, it's verdict time. Oh, stay tuned. Yeah, just stay tuned for me, too. They miss the mark completely. This reminded me of the Clueless series. Uh, because one of my other favorite films is Clueless. Uh, the 1995 Alicia Silverstone film. Mm -hmm. And they rushed into they rushed into production uh, Clueless the series. Like, the film came out in 95. The show aired in 96. Mm -hmm. So less than a year between the film becoming a sleeper hit and the TV show. By this point, Alicia Silverstone was too big to do the TV show. They got most of the supporting cast. Yeah. But the problem with these kinds of TV shows is in a 90-minute film, the character has gone on a journey and has developed a lot. Mm -hmm. This show, and Legally Blonde both, resets all of the character yeah. development. So now they're asking you to wait months or years for the character development you already got in 90 minutes. Yeah. Mm. No, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. So it's a stay doomed. I think movie uh, TV shows based on movies are difficult to pull off well. Yes. Not impossible, mm -hmm. but difficult. Yeah. I think the best way to do it is do the continuation thing. My big fat Greek marriage. Yes. Where it's just like, all right, this is what happened after the wedding. That oh, absolutely. Sense. Sequel series are a little bit easier to pull because of the fact mm. that you can move the character. And we know Elle Woods. Yeah. So Elle Woods at her first clerkship, mm -hmm. her first job. And then she's a fish out of water again. She was a star law student. Now she has to go be in the professional world. Yeah. Because by the time she was done 3L... People knew it. People at Harvard knew she was a good student. Mm -hmm. 
Because she, like, wins her first trial as a 1L. Which is not a thing. Yeah. So, I think moving her into another place would have been a better call. Yeah, I think that's a good way to save this. I think instead of starting over, just have her be in a courtroom. Yeah. Yeah, That would be better. I would ask, what are we watching next week? But we don't know. Uh, So right now, there is a poll live on our Patreon for what we're doing next week. Because uh, things are kind of a bit jumbled and we had to do it this way. So next week will either be Gorgeous Ladies of Burlesque or Glob. Which is a one-off show mixing burlesque and wrestling. It's the thing we wanted uh, Girls Gone Wild to be. So I found the right thing. We're going to do that. That's available on independentwrestling.tv. Or we are doing the 2004 reboot of Mr. Ed. Or we are doing an old 1963 show called The Ginger Rogers Show. Yes, and I was appalled when you first pitched this. Because I didn't know who that was. You didn't know who Ginger Rogers was, and I am infuriated. So if you are one of our wonderful patrons, and if you want to be one of our wonderful patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash plus two comedy. You can vote now on what we are doing next week. We're going to close that poll on, like, Wednesday night. Yeah. So not a lot of time. Get out there and vote. Yeah. Rock the vote, kids. Vote or die. Remember those? Oh my gosh. I had a Rock the Boat shirt in the 2000s. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doom. And if you know how to properly use a metaphor, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you are also a blonde who has faced the hardship of being accused of dyeing your hair, I'm here to help. And I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>